Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast and other resources, please go to BethelCleveland.com. Let's welcome up Duncan Smith. Oh, thank you very much, everybody. Wow. <laughs> Steve, I've, I've asked Kate to come up with me because she's burning with something in her heart as well for you. So, Shika Banga. Ah! Wow, good morning. Wow, thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing at this time and your purposes for the body of Christ. And I just wanted to encourage you because the Holy Spirit has been calling us into an invitation, not only of greater intimacy, but um, yieldedness to the baptism of, of fire. Because um, John said that Jesus was gonna come and baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. And we forget the dynamic of, of the fire. And in the last month, there's been a stirring and the Lord beginning to speak to us about what he's doing around the world, that he wants to come and visit his, his church again with an awakening fire that will take us to another level in the body of Christ. And I saw this morning in worship, thank you, Jay and Rachel and and the team, I just saw that you were beginning to, to rise on the thermals and the winds of the Holy Spirit. And the wind and the fire together are so important that you can't just be alone match struck, but there's a coming together so that the wind of the Holy Spirit can begin to stir and blow and take us higher to another place. And I, I saw recently the Holy Spirit pinpointing different points in the map around this nation of places that are, are like a conduit for the fire of the Holy Spirit. You know those earthing cables that the fire will come down. And I saw that um, Bethel Cleveland and, and your campuses here were a place where the Holy Spirit is welcome, but is irresistibly drawn and that we should get ready. We should get ready for a fire that we've not seen before and a fire that's going to accelerate and spread and grow and, and just sustain and nourish many things. You know, fire has a way of just cleaning out, but it also has a way of propelling us. And I just see the Holy Spirit saying, those that are thirsty, those are, that are hungry, get ready for what I'm doing in the body of Christ at this time. God bless you. Shika banga. Whoa. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 14, that you are the light of the world. And, uh, whoa. Uh, it's hard for us to understand what that means in the same way that it would have meant to everybody listening to Jesus. Because we have electricity, we have the convenience of electricity produced for us. Of course, we have the inconvenience of having to pay for it. But we have the convenience, we just flick a switch and the light comes on. There's no tending to it. There's no sacrifice to it. It's automatic for us. And so we've lost something of what it means to truly be the light of the world. 
we just think that now we're born again Christians, that somehow or other being Christians means that we're right, always right, and that the world's wrong. And we might as well have taken a big bowl and put it on top of us as the light by being like that. Well, because we were actually born again, born of the Spirit, to be the light of the world. And to be the light of the world, we have to understand something of what Jesus was meaning when he referred to that. Because in the time when he said to it, on, when he said to them all on that mountain, in Math, recorded in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. Whoa! To them, that meant automatically an oil lamp. That's all they had. That's, that's, how you, that's how you become a lamp. That's how you have a lamp. You have a vessel that contains oil. Uh, and you have a wick to be a conduit of that oil. And then you have to have a flame. You can't just be full of oil and have no flame. You have to have a flame to be the light of the world. And God is lighting a gigantic flame on the heads of every believer right now that is willing to lay down their lives like Kate was saying and say, Lord, here I am, pick me. And we, we're not called to be the light of the world on our own. We're called to be the light of the world together as the body of Christ. And I love what Pastor Steve was saying when he was saying, mask, no mask. But vaccine, no vaccines. Let's just put all the differences to the one side and remind ourselves we're called to be the light of the world together. Shanda Rabbah, and in the midst of COVID and lockdown and death and sickness and fear and confusion all over the world, how much more, what better time has there ever been in history, certainly not in my lifetime, for us to be the light of the world? Wow. Shika Banga. So I want you to turn with me to uh, the book of Leviticus. And chapter 24, see this concept of being the light of the world was extremely relevant in the context of the Jewish nation, and the ancient Israelites. They had had a lamp burning already for thousands of years when Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Leviticus 24 verse 1, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, command the, the children of Israel that they bring to you pure oil of pressed olives for the lamp or the light to make the lamps burn continually. 
And outside the veil of the testimony in the tabernacle of meeting, Aaron shall be in charge of it from evening until morning before the Lord continually. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. He shall be in charge of the lamps on the pure gold lampstand before the Lord continually. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And in Revelation chapter 1, when John hears the voice speaking behind him, he's on the island of Patmos, he's an elderly man. He turns around to see the voice. And after he describes the the magic, majestic, glorious Savior, now not just risen from the dead, but appearing to him in the fullness of his majesty, John the apostle falls down like a dead man. There's no time for John to say, oh, it's you, Jesus. I've been waiting for you for 40 years since you went up into heaven. The Bible says he fell down in front of Jesus like a dead man because of the glory shimmering from Jesus' presence. And this is the glorious one who's on the inside of us. This is the glorious head of the church, Jesus Christ, risen from the dead and seated at the right hand of the majesty with the same glory that he's always had from the beginning. And Jesus, he describes Jesus that his face was shining like the sun. His eyes were like blazing fire, dressed all the way down was a long robe, a white robe with a golden sash around his chest. And he had the word of God, a sharp sword coming out of his mouth. His feet were like polished bronze. And in his right hand, he was juggling stars, universe in his hands. Because he is the majestic king of glory. And John goes on to say that he was walking among the lampstands. And there is a reference right there to the lampstand again. So we have the old covenant, a lampstand in front of the, the, the tent of meeting in front of the holy place. Then we have Jesus coming and saying, you are the light of the world. And then he says, I am the light of the world. You can only be the light of the world out of your union with me. And then risen from the dead and glorified, he comes, reveals himself to John among the church and the church is now the lampstand. Abba. And we are the lampstand. And you are the light of the world in Brunswick. You are the light of the world in Middleburg. You are the light of the world all the way to Akron. You are the light of the world all over this whole region, especially Cleveland. You are the light of Cleveland. You are the light of Brunswick. There is no other light. You're it. Congratulations. Out of all the peoples in all the world that God wanted, he chose you to be the light of Brunswick, to be the light of Cleveland, to be the light of Ohio. God doesn't want, to, doesn't want Cleveland to be famous for superstars in basketball only somebody said oh you're going up to Cleveland are you oh okay and they said something about basketball the Holy Spirit gripped me 
May the day come when someone says, I'm going to Cleveland, and the first thing they think, oh, you're going to be with Jesus. You're going to revival cities. You're going to cities on, excuse me, cities on fire. Now, oh, yeah, yeah. I want you to notice, okay, that it says right here, command the children of Israel that they bring to you pure oil of pressed olives for the light, for the light to make the lamps burn continually. I want you to just think about this for just a moment. God was requiring so much work of the ancient Israelites in order for them to have fire. So much work. It was down to them to produce the olive oil necessary for the lamps to burn. That olive oil was extremely precious. They had it only really for one reason, and that was to eat it. But they had to give up what was what they had cultivated, what they had cared for, and what they had tended. And they had to be willing to sacrifice it, that instead of eating it, instead of consuming it, instead of selling it, because it was hugely valuable in the ancient world, they had to bring it before God in order to keep a lamp burning that represented God's presence. They had to work for God's presence. It's a symbol of everything that religion requires in order for a relationship with God. And God allowed it under the old covenant in order to test them to see whether they would be ready for the Messiah who would come and ultimately be everything for them so that religion was no longer a requirement whatsoever because mercy triumphs over judgment and grace is so much better than the law. And the person of Jesus is so much better than the laws of Jesus. The laws of Jesus are so good because Jesus is good. But religion was necessary in order for them to understand you cannot come to God licentiously. You can't just come to God on your terms. You cannot otherwise the God that you're coming to is a figment of your imagination and not the God who rules the heavens and the earth, the creator of all things because the creator of all things is not somebody that you can create. He's somebody who has created you and we come to him on his terms. I love what Reinhard Bonnke said. He said that every religion in the world requires that man, woman, make a sacrifice for God. But Christianity is the only religion in the world and it's, it's, the, it's the only rela- invitational relationship of a good God where he makes a sacrifice for man and for woman. He's made a sacrifice for us. But without the law, we could never understand the price that he was willing to pay for that to happen. And we brush off religion. Oh, we're not religious. Yes, because Jesus was pure religion. And he perfectly fulfilled the law for us at tremendous cost. May we never, ever, ever take that lightly. And let me just say this, that grace is never permission to do whatever we want. It's the power 
to do what God wants. Yeah, shikabanga. And they had to work, 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 clear the fields, plant the, plant the olives, tend the olive trees, wait for three to five years before they could even take their first harvest. Then they had to work at harvest time, get all of the olives down onto big sheets, shaking the tree. They still do it in certain parts of the world. Shaking the trees, getting all the olives. Then they get the sheets, they gather them up, they put them into carts, they take the carts with the donkeys or the cattle, and they take it to the press. They get it to the press. They bring it to Gethsemane. They bring it to the garden. Then they tie up a donkey or a cow and it go a bull and it just goes round and round and round, screwing the press down and down and down and down until all those olives are completely crushed. Just like the father allowed his son to be completely and totally and absolutely crushed so that you can have an everlasting supply of oil on the inside of you. And as this came down and the... Uh, a jar or several buckets or whatever it was that they used, pails, they just would collect that oil in a vessel. Then they would carry that oil and then they would take it and waste it on God. They would waste it all those years cultivating it, working it. They'd take it and they'd let it service that lamp and burn away in a night, seemingly for nothing, so that they could have a lamp that was all down to their efforts, except for this. It wasn't for nothing. Oh. Yeah, it was to prepare us to understand that there would come a day when the great olive himself, the great olive branch, the great olive tree, the great Messiah, the word Messiah means oily one. It means, it means literally the oil rig of heaven, the oil well of heaven. And you know, you've got oil in Ohio with the nodding donkeys and you've had oil a long time. Well, let me tell you something. Jesus is the word Messiah means oil rig. Shikabanga. And so for, for you to be the lamp that's shining so that people would look at Bethel Cleveland and say, they're the light and the lamp of Ohio. You gotta have at least two things. Number one, you gotta have oil. Without oil, you can have a flame for a split second, but it goes out, right? I was just reading yesterday, my Bible reading. I like to read my Bible through in the year. I heard a musician once say that spontaneity is the reward of discipline. Make sure you read your Bibles. Honestly, social media would be a whole lot more healthy place if Christians actually read their Bibles. Problem is they read too much of their own posts and then occasionally read somebody else's posts and then get so irate about it they turn into a rabid anti 
righteousness and holiness individual. It's barely resembling love. Not us, of course. But seriously, I, I actually I want to encourage you to be careful because I actually think that there's a spirit that dis- rises up or descends upon certain individuals when they get in front of a, a computer or an iPhone and they have, the incon- they have the convenience of not being in the presence of the people that they're writing at and judging. And so they get the privilege of speaking without the responsibility of relationship. And so, but anyway, shoot that thing, rabbit. Sorry, that's not very nice to say shoot that rabbit. I just realized that. That's an old saying. Sorry, sorry. Stick with the, stick with the light of the world, Dunk. Jesus came as the light of the world so that we would not have to spend our effort, our money, our spiritual energy in order to be saved and continue being saved and in order to truly shine. The only thing we have to do to truly shine is to have faith in Jesus, to know that the Messiah is now on the inside of us and to allow him on the inside of us to completely take us over, to come to the place where practicing his presence, practicing being conscious of him, literally even down to the practice of that, we don't need it any longer because he so consumes us, he so captivates us and so takes control of our thoughts and control of everything that we do all our actions, everything spontaneously is him, not us. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The Messiah lives in me. The oil rig lives in me. It's not my effort any longer. It's not my Bible reading that keeps me saved. It's not my prayer life that keeps me saved. It's not my fasting that keeps me saved. I do all of those things because I'm saved, because I love God and I want to know him. But none of those things add to my sense of well-being in his presence. None of those things add to or take away from the consciousness that I've been crucified with him and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ living in me. Oh yeah, I've got the oil on the inside and his name is Jesus. And I don't, I don't have to work it up, but it does help to pump through faith. To walk in and remind yourself when you walk into uh, a room, that you walk in to a room, whether it's at home or whether it's walking into this room or whether it's walking into a pub or walking into a bar or walking into a cafe, to remind yourself of Jesus and to walk in and say, Lord, thank you that you're on the inside of me. What would you like to do in this moment through me? in me, with me. What supernatural things do you want to do in me and through me? And it's amazing when you have that level of consciousness and you begin to practice it, after a while, it becomes so automatic because you are so tuned to the one who dwells on the inside of you, the oil is now flowing without you having to pump it in any shape or form. But if it just takes a little while to pump it to start with, for you to get 
to get there, then pump that oil a little. But the pumping of the oil is simply believing. It's simple faith. Secondly, whoa, that oil must have a flame. Now, in in John 20, 21, we see Jesus. He's risen from the dead. He comes before his, he appears to his disciples and he says, as the Father sent me, so now I send you. Think about that for just a moment. As the Father sent me, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, God loved the world so much that he sent, he gave his only begotten son. As the Father sent me, so now I send you into the world. That means that we're as good news to the world in the Father's eyes as his son Jesus was. Now, I don't know about you, but that gets me because there's a credibility gap in my life. There's a whole bunch of things about my life that tell me, Father, that you should not have that thought about me. It's too much. That's too weighty. There's no way I could ever be as good news to the world as your son Jesus. And the father says, son, that's because you still don't understand. My son Jesus has taken you over. (laughs) You're still way too Duncan conscious and not enough Jesus conscious. Uh, But you're still walking in what you can produce for me. You're still walking in trying to clear land. You're still walking in trying to plant trees. You're still walking in trying to collect the olives. You're still walking in, in bringing the olives and crushing the olives. My son is the only one who could do all of that fully, satisfactorily. It is finished. Now walk in it. Shikabanga. So, mm. whoa, now quiet times don't become something that we do in order to please God. Quiet times become something where we are reminded how pleasing to God we are and how pleasing the world is to him and how much he loves it. And what a great adventure he has for us every day in order to go and reach the world because he doesn't judge the world. He doesn't condemn the world. He doesn't look at the world the way we look at the world. He looks at the world and he loves the world. He looks at your boss that's mad with you every week and he loves your boss. He loves your colleagues at work that, you, that persecute you for your faith in Jesus so much so that you'd never talk about him. Well, he loves those colleagues so much. And you know what I've discovered? One moment where Jesus gets to truly live his life through you is enough to totally change the environment around you forever and turn your life upside down and turn it into the greatest fruitfulness you could possibly imagine. Now, he says to those disciples, receive the same, as the Father sent me, so now I send you. Then he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. What did that moment look like when Jesus, freshly raised from the dead, breathes on his disciples and says, receive the Holy Spirit. I don't think that they had time to kind of line up in a nice row. I don't think that they had time to talk about, hey, hey, Pete, yeah, Andy, what did his breath smell like? It was a little fishy. I did see him take a fish before we got here. There was no time to talk about Jesus's breath and then to argue about whether people really should fall over. What what are you doing falling over? And and Jesus, what are you doing breathing all over them? No, I think that they went flying. That's what I think. 
I think when Jesus, freshly raised from the dead, looks at you straight in the eyes, a foot away from your face, smiles at you and goes, I think you're going to probably have a manifestation. In fact, I think you're going to be a manifestation for the rest of your life. Abba. And then he tells those same disciples that probably were lying on the, you know, for about, I don't know, 10 hours, maybe a week. Took Heidi Baker her whole week to recover in Toronto. Jesus didn't appear to her and go, I don't know how long it took them to recover, but guess what Jesus says to them? Guys, wait in Jerusalem. What do you mean wait in Jerusalem? Wait in Jerusalem until you're clothed with the power from on high. Was it just me or didn't we have that whole moment like two weeks ago? Like what was that? Why are you telling me to wait? Oh son, that was you getting filled with the oil forever. With an everlasting supply of oil on the inside of you. And you'll never run out of oil. You, you can't leak so much oil that you run dry. That's the whole point that you run and run and run because the oil comes from me, not from you. But for the oil to run, there's got to be something that eats the oil. His name is the Holy Spirit. So you've got the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, the Spirit of Jesus and the Spirit of the Father on the inside of you. When you are saved, when you're born again, that's the oil on the inside. And you might have had all kinds of amazing experiences with him from the inside. But you will never ever be a true, powerful witness of the kingdom until you have a flame on that oil. And a lot of Christians get muddled up with that. Like, well, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Why do I need to come to God again? And God's already here. Why do we need to ask him to come again? Oil and fire. Now you get it, right? I'm sure you already did. But I'm just getting it on a deeper and deeper way right now. Oil and fire. So let's stand, everybody. Because Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. And then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And secondly, he said in Acts 1, that was uh, Luke 24, uh, 49. But in Acts chapter 1 and verse 5, he said, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit many, not many days from now. And then what did they turn around and say? They said, Lord, is now the time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Imagine, he'd just gone to the cross. He just has ridden from the dead. He's breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And they're still thinking naturally about their nation. And we've been thinking way too naturally about our nation, everybody. Is this the time that you're going to restore America to the kingdom? And what does Jesus say? Stop, you're missing the whole point. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. It's not for you to know the times and dates that the Father's set. But you, wait in Jerusalem until you are clothed. Clothed. That, you wear the clothes on the outside, not the inside. Until you are clothed with flames of fire. And sure enough, 10 days later, after he'd gone up, sure enough, 10 days later... 
they were meeting in the, in the room and suddenly the whole place was shaken. Suddenly, as they were in prayer, with their eyes no longer on the nation for their own freedom from Rome, but their eyes on the nation for the kingdom of God to invade their nation. Suddenly, in that moment, when they were with one heart and one mind, kaboom! The Holy Spirit entered into the room. Tongues of fire appeared up there and they descended and came onto the heads of every person and every one of them was baptized in fire. The lamps were lit and they became the light of the world. And right now, there is a giant flame of fire in this room. You might not be able to see it in the natural, but let me tell you, it is here. I can see it in the spirit and it is dividing over the top of every single one of your heads. Those of you who believe, those of you whose hearts are burning, some of you, your hearts are burning right now. You're saying, this is it. This is what I was born for. This is what I want to give my life for. I want to be somebody who carries a flame on my head, Lord. And I want to run with those who have flames on their heads. And we're going to be the light of Cleveland. We're going to be the light of Brunswick. We're going to be the light of Ohio. We're going to reveal Jesus. We're going to walk in supernatural signs and wonders. Just hold your hands up to heaven right now. In Finney's day, Moody's day, Shabbatah in Chicago, there would be moments where neighbors would phone the fire, the 911, send the fire truck, the church next door to me is on fire. What do you mean it's on fire? It's on fire. It's burning. I can see it. I'm watching it. And the fire trucks would arrive. And there was no such thing. There was just a building. Nobody could see any flames. The church wasn't burning in the natural. It was burning in the spirit. But unbelievers could see those flames. And there is a flame coming upon your head right now. The believers might not be able to see. People normally might not be able to see. But anybody that's appointed for salvation in that moment, they will see the flame on your head. And they will burn with it. So Holy Spirit, right now, I'm asking you to fully back up this message that you placed on my heart and light a flame of fire on the heads of every person in this beautiful community and church family of Bethel, Cleveland, Brunswick campus. And may they have a flame, a giant flame on their heads that never goes out. And that this church truly becomes the light of the world. In Jesus' name, Shakarabha. And I've written a book, whoa, called Consumed with Holy Fire so that you can sit in this message until you are so gloriously saturated and so gloriously burning. It's a book that I wrote filled, filled with the Word of God and also filled with stories of what can be done in a life fully, fully devoted and yielded to Jesus. I'm just going to read this one line to all who are longing, this, this one line took me the book to write this one line. To all who are longing for the world to rediscover that even our shadows can heal. 
would like this copy, I'd love to give this one. Yeah, I saw you. you. You've been hungry through the whole message, sweetheart. Yes, it's yours. Take it. Yeah, the rest of you, there's a few uh, that I was able to bring. Okay, Steve, back to you. Oh, sorry, Jay, back to you. By the way, Jay, I just love you so much. You, your heart is so full of Jesus. You are such a pure-hearted, pure man of God. Man, this campus is blessed to have a leader like you. Love you too. Let's respond and lean into that, okay? Can you put your hands back up? And I want you just to sing this out with me. So set a fire down in my heart that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. So set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God, and I want more. Come on, sing it out. And set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Just had this picture as, as Duncan was sharing that some of us feel like the flame of fire, of the fire of the Spirit, the fire of God in our life is almost like coals. It's, it's white and you can only barely see it and it's kindling and it feels hopeless like it's buried under the dirt and no fire could spring forward. But as Duncan said, when Jesus breathes into your face, you begin to manifest. But what happens when Jesus, the Word of God, speaks? What comes out of the Word of God's mouth when the breath of the Spirit spoken through the Word in flesh is poured onto the flames of your heart. Is it possible that it would explode? Is it possible that it would erupt like someone doused it in lighter fluid? Is it possible that you're just one breath away from the Spirit of God to walk into the destiny of what God has for you? So if you've got dead old coals on your altar this morning, would you just respond with me and put your hands up? Only respond, though, if you want them to ignite. Only respond if you're inviting the presence of God to make a difference. Don't respond if you don't want it. But if you do, if you want it, if you want the prior of God to fill up your life in a way that radically transforms who you are and radically changes your approach to the way that you're living right now, then lift up your hands. And I want you just to begin to sing out, set a fire in my soul. Whatever's in your spirit, that song, your voice, just an invitation saying yes to the Lord. So set a fire. So set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God, and I want more of you, God. So set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. Oh, I want more of you, God. Jesus, Jesus, 
Father, I just pray over every single person here today. First off, if you don't know Jesus, I want you to just put your hand up in the air. And I want you, if you're feeling his presence, to invite him back into your life. You're sitting at home right now. Put your hand up. Father God, in Jesus' name, we respond to this call. We believe that when you, when Jesus died on the cross, that it satisfied the need for God to punish us, that that death and resurrection became the bridge between heaven and earth. And so, Father, we invite you into our heart. I invite you into my heart. Come and live in me. I surrender my life in Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, I have decided, text your name and email to that number. We would love to pray with you. Isn't this just amazing? I don't know. I get bored by just the idea of just church as usual, don't you? Don't you love, when, when he shows up though, everything becomes different, right? When the presence of God fills room, everything changes. So my prayer for you today is Bethel Cleveland, may you be blessed as you go out of these doors that this fire would get so hot that it would make you uncomfortable. <laughs> that you would be disturbed at night, that the presence of God would tap on your shoulders, that maybe you turn off that TV show, or maybe when you're driving into work, you, you turn off the radio and put on a worship playlist and begin to just encounter and connect and engage, that this fire that you welcomed into your life, I have, I have a secret and a newsflash for you. He is not, he, the fire does not take second place. It is all consuming. So we just bless you with that all-consuming fire that as you walk out, let it burn. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, just a reminder, we do have Duncan's book out in the lobby for your purchase. It's an amazing book. I know I'm getting a copy. Have a blessed week and make sure you don't forget this Friday night, our first production match list will be here at the Brunswick campus. We would love for you to be here. We have 60 tickets left, so make sure you hop online at BethelCleveland.com and reserve your tickets. Have a blessed week.